podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good evening and welcome to another episode of Touchline Fracker. Uh, this evening, all the big clubs or the traditional big clubs are well represented. I'm going to go around uh, and introduce everybody. Chris, it's your main pod debut, no? Yeah, first first time on. Uh, happy to be here, man. Yeah, good to, good to have you, man. Seven reasons or so to, to come on this weekend yep. is, is my understanding. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, Mush. The other half of the uh, Coppen duo. Uh, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm good, bro. Nice to have a little tag team going on. Yeah, life's good, man. Can't complain. Things yeah, are yeah, rosy around see, here. Yeah, yeah, I can see the smile on your face, man. <laughs> uh, Shabs, how are you doing, bro? Yo, could be better, could be worse, man. You know how it goes, man. But yeah. I'm here. Yeah, we, we, we appreciate you, brother. We appreciate Come, you. Come bro. Come on. And Tobes. <laughs> Back off COVID. How are yeah. you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on here, man. Yeah, sure, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll shoot the shit, as, as they say. Um, <laughs> before we start, see, uh, we'll get into today, uh, this weekend's results. But yeah, Discord was a vibe today. Thank you very much, Tottenham, for that. Um, and, and, <laughs> and, just, <laughs> and, and as usual, uh, you know, you hung about for our result, but obviously it didn't quite work out that way for you, Tobes, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, Discord, as, as usual, guys, sign up to the Discord. Uh, the Discord lives go off. You've got spaces for pit stop fracker, courtside fracker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're a fan of any club, just sign up and you'll get that notification when, when we've got a blood of your enemy situation. So you can just have that played in the background. Um, in terms of the club pods, uh, we are live streaming the club pods every evening. So uh, keep a lookout, follow your club pods Twitter page and you'll get a kind of notification of what time the club pod is is going live on the YouTube and you can hop in there. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube and like the videos when you are there. Uh, Patreon, we're still producing Patreon content rapidly. Copping guys, killing it with a work rate. Uh, touchy Gunas, thank you. Thank you, brothers, for, for all your hard work on the Patreon. Uh, Muga, we, we got yeah, a few we try, things. We try, we try. Yeah, yeah, we, we see you. Uh, Muga, we got a few things in the in the pipeline for you too. Um, and with all that being said, let's get into this weekend roundup. So, 
I usually don't go first because most of the time I don't really want to talk about our games. Um, but today's a bit different. Uh, you know how I feel generally speaking. It, it's an Oli out situation, but um, he just keeps managing to find results week in, week out. And um, this weekend he's done it again. Uh, a 6-2 win against Leeds. Um, guys, tell me about your thoughts about the performance. I'll start with you, Tobes. Just because you were you were local in the Discord, you were you were sniffing around for blood and you didn't quite get it. Um, what were your thoughts on the performance? Ah, uh, yeah, it was um it was a weird one. Well, I say weird. It was a weird one in which leads the way normally they bust it open, but the way in which they bust it open, like within the first 10 minutes was criminal. I literally went to get a cup of water and by the time I came back, it was too new. I was thinking, what, what what's going on? Um we spoke about it before the game started that really and truly with the shooters Man United have like and the football leads play, this should be a high scoring game because they're, gonna, they're not going to change their style no matter what. And Man United have the quality to pick them off each and every time. But um, I was expecting Leeds to come here and actually put up a bit more of a fight in terms of the way in which they pressed you and the way in which they actually attacked you. And I felt Leeds didn't do those two things to a good enough effect today and they were um, well and truly punished. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was an interesting one because obviously going into the game, uh, the big player that was out was obviously Paul Pogba. People had things to say about that. What was that Oli's way of saying, you know, he can't quite stand up to the press? Is it his way of kind of pointing holes at the fact that his defensive game isn't necessarily the best? And you know, with Leeds, a Bielsa team, they're going to pass and they're going to move. And if you're not plugging up those gaps, they're going to find spaces. But then he also um, went with Daniel James too. And what I know is that Bielsa and Leeds have been trying to get him for, for the last couple of years. So in the back of my mind, I was thinking maybe we're putting him in a shot window because he hasn't played very much this season at all, uh, validly. Um, we just ran roughshod on them going forward. But then at the same time, they had a lot of chances. But that's what we're used to with Leeds. They create a lot of chances. They get into a lot of attacking positions and they don't necessarily finish. Um, I think we'll probably remember that as the Scott McTominay game. Um yeah, he was he was everywhere. Two brilliant goals, got an assist for Daniel James, and then he did the things that he generally does well, which is work hard, cover a lot of ground, intercepts. Um, yeah, he he was he was brilliant to that. I can't really knock him. Not that I um, look to knock him, but yeah, he he was brilliant. Um, Daniel James also got a goal. Bruno Fernandez doing Bruno Fernandez things. Uh, he grabbed a goal. And then he grabbed an assist. Then there was a penalty. I thought, would he give it to McTominay for him to get his third? Would he give it to Martial? Because Martial's not... But no, Bruno's Bruno for a reason. And you, you... <laughs> He's Bruno for a reason. those numbers, man. Give him those numbers. numbers <laughs> There's a bonus numbers to get. Up. There's a weekly bonus he needs to get, bro. So he grabbed a goal too. And uh, Lindelof, who's actually been in quite a bit of decent form for the, for the last month or so, was able to get on the end of a Marshall flick on and grab a goal too, which was um, quite well deserved from him. Uh, Rashford was good, troublesome, didn't hit the back of the net. Marshall, he had an odd game because he played well, he linked up well, he created chances, he beat players, but he had two or three really good chances. And with the season he's been having, you'd want him to see him grab at least one of those and start getting those um, goals up. So. Yeah, listen, we don't control football matches. And once you don't control football matches, you're always going to be liable to the opposition coming back at you. And a better team with the chances Leeds had today 
probably ends up like four, four, five, some a ridiculous scoreline. So um, somehow we find ourselves, despite everything that has gone on this season, we find ourselves uh, in third place in the league. We've got 26 points. Uh, we're five points off the leaders, Liverpool, with a game in hand. Um, yeah. What, what are your thoughts when, when you uh, watch us, Mush? Oh, it was really, um, it was an interesting game because I think United are perfectly built, I think, to to beat a team like Leeds. And I also think Leeds play exactly into how Oli wants a game to go. And um, it, w- it was almost like, as we know, Leeds have their man-to-man uh, kind of system that they mark up all over the pitch. And often, more often than not, the whole point of beating a Bielsa team is to beat the man you're directly up against. And I think Oli... I even actually uh, tweeted the Mugger account about how this might be the game for Dan James, just for that reason, where it might not even be a quality thing, how you overcome your man, but just an athletic thing of, you know, beating your man and then getting in a position where you've caught him out. And I think, weirdly, Bielsa deserves a bit of criticism for that because I, I, was, I was speaking to my brother watching the game and he's a United fan. And I was saying... Bielsa is like that old school rapper that successful rappers might attribute to their success, but because everyone's become more successful than him, they don't care about what he's done in the game. Do you get what I mean? And for for me, Bielsa just, you can't have a tactic as basic as as going man for man because these are professional footballers. You're going to overcome the person you're head to head with. And then if you're two on one or three on one, like you saw in the second half throughout, I think Leeds just set themselves up to fail. And yeah, you're right. I did have a question for you, though, Mariah, about Martial. And that was, we heard constantly that the problem with Martial wasn't his finishing because his conversion rate was good and it was everything else to do with his game. But if it's now turned the other way where everything else in his game is fine, but the finishing isn't good, aren't we in the same position of being incomplete as a number nine then? Um, I think it's, it's a loaded question. Um, I think in terms of Martial this season... He started off and you weren't getting anything from him. The performances weren't good and he wasn't scoring either. So the fact he's playing well is a step in the right direction. It's the last couple of games he's been good um, and he scored in the last game as well. So we have to give him a bit more time in terms of um, seeing if the goals come, but he's still trying to find his confidence. I think for him, that quick turnaround of the seasons really didn't do him very well. I think some guys in those in those weeks they had off, they, they indulged a bit too much. And he and obviously then he got sent off against Spurs. I don't know about indulging, man. I saw what he was being fed, bro. I'm I'm not sure you can call that. <laughs> yeah, you definitely heavy, yeah. heavy on the carbs, though. It wasn't nice, but heavy on the carbs, man. Yeah. That carbs, stodge, yeah, yeah, yeah slow, slower man down. Me, <laughs> so um, with him, it's good to see him taking players on, beating players, being generally dangerous. But you're right, his bread and butter has always been that he doesn't get many chances but he finishes the chances that he gets and he always outperforms his XG. And that really hasn't been the case this season. Um, We don't have an embarrassment of riches. So for now, he's going to continue to get a a run in the side. And I guess um, it's a conversation, a decision that we have to make at the end of the season. If it looks like the team has outgrown Martial and he's now holding us back, then we have to go into the market and get somebody else. Greenwood, for me, isn't quite at the stage where he can go up against Premier League central defenders. And Cavani, his best days are behind him, quite clearly. He's he's there to just kind of add um, the, the icing on the cake. So whatever you get from Cavani, 10, 12 goals maybe in all competitions, you take that. But in terms of like, OK, we want you to be our number nine for the whole season, it's not going to happen. So 
yeah, Marshall, we have to watch him very closely now because he's 25, been here for a while, came off a, a good season, not very good, a good season last year. And the state, so step was, we need you to improve. You've shown that, okay, when you play up front, you can be a one and two striker. But for our level, one and two isn't good enough. We need you to be getting close to that kind of two and three level. So I was, okay, Marshall, let's let's see what you've got. I, and to be honest, I've been very disappointed. I've been very disappointed. It's taken him so long to even get to this stage. Um, and he was always kind of able to redeem himself with his finishing. Um, and yeah, like you say, he's not doing that. So it's hard, man. It's hard. It's really hard to, it's really hard to vouch him because even with that good performance, your strikers are judged by how many goals they score. Like I'd much rather my striker not play well and grab a goal. It's like you look, we talk about Firmino all the time and how much he supposedly holds you guys back. But you guys win titles and you win championships. So he isn't he isn't necessarily holding you back. We're not there. So everyone who isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing for us to be at the level that we need to be at, they're gonna be heavily scrutinized. And as much as our fans love Marshall and want to give him as much time as they want to give him, um, yeah, for me, it's something, it's a decision we make at the, the end of the season and we see how he plays things out from, well, yeah, December until Mayish times, man. So, But we'll be watching him very, very closely. I can tell you that, Mush. Fair play, fair play. Good, interesting that. Um, yeah. Do you think Do you think you'd go for the uh, long term? You know how you said that Greenwood's not ready yet? Mm-hmm. You know, if you invest, if you're looking to invest to replace Martial because he's not filling that hole, would you invest in a big, big hitter who potentially might block Greenwood because he's, you know, probably going to be into his ready for the first team in two years, or would you go for a stopgap again? Uh, I don't think we can afford to not bring in more quality. Um, I think at the moment, Oli's probably um, remit is to get us top four, but yeah. at a point you have to. What's the next thing? You can't just. You can't just. Okay, we're getting this striker because it's a striker that will help us achieve our goals of top four. You need to bring in as much quality as you can into your team, and then you fight it out, man. Like Greenwood, <clears throat> he's a good player, and I think where his development comes in is that he needs to develop physically to be able to really dominate and play well at this level. If he's having that physical development, he becomes more useful out wide because I think it limits him out wide just because he can't necessarily burst and get past the man the way you'd want somebody to do so on the wing. And obviously when you play up front, you need that alongside having the physical game to to go up against a striker. So if he's developing physically um, the way I feel he will in the next year to two years, he can play across the front line, but I wouldn't necessarily see like a Haaland or whoever you may be looking at who's a top striking prospect and be like, you know what, I'm not going to sign them because of Mason Greenwood. You know, duke it out, man. And whoever comes out on top gets the role, no? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you, yeah. I think, sorry, Mara, I think with United as well, um, how I've always known them, they've always had um, numbers up front in terms of strikers. If you go back to um, like the Cantona days where they had Andy Cole as well, if you look at um, that treble winning 99 side, they had Oli Gunnar off the bench. They had um, Teddy Sheringham, who wasn't even, you know, starting week in, week out, but was still useful. Um, and they had York and Cole, who had that amazing partnership, amazing combination, you know what I mean? Um, they moved away. They have Van Nistelrooy. They have Forlan. Um, they've always had numbers. They've had they've had strikers. This is what I know them for. Mm. So I'm looking at them now, saying it's not surprising to me that they've got clappers there like um, Rashford. Um, you know they've got Igalo. He's still there. Not saying that he's a clapper, but he's still there. He's a striker. Mm, he's a number. Yeah. 
um, you know, Cavani. It, it kind of makes sense to me in terms of the way that United have always operated. So I'm not surprised by it. And I, I don't think that will change. I, I don't think that has changed about United for much of the Premiership slash Premier League era. So yeah, I don't, I don't expect different yeah. from them. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. You mentioned names like Rooney, Van Persie, who you probably um, forgot. Um, so no, I, didn't <laughs> I, I don't think you forgot. I think you did that on purpose. <laughs> so, 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 so the heritage is there. So, I, I'm confident in Greenwood eventually coming good once he physically develops. Um, but this is just a question of now, and you guys see that, and you'll see even more than others, um, Shabs, that a top striker is able to elevate a team. Um, and cover up for average performances. And while Oli's a manager, and I don't think he'll necessarily be the most tactical guy and will necessarily always set us up to do the best tactically against our opposition, giving him as many good players as we can, and especially your attackers, mean that we'll always be there and thereabouts. Um, yeah, I think that's how he got top four last year. Um, Rashford was humming, Martial was humming, Bruno was humming, Greenwood was humming, and that carried what is largely an average team behind them to top four um and i guess we just maintain that same blueprint um so yeah we're, we're top we're top three now with a game in hand um there's some listeners questions but i'll get into that closer to the end uh christian mush i mean we know why you're here so we're not we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna <laughs> speaking of inevitable no, but can I can, can can I just quickly say on United because I, I was I was I was saying earlier I think like you know the, from what I saw for the performance today I think it was amazing I think it's difficult to to, to bash aside when they when when they clap six goals um, I like the energy that they came to the game with um, I, I really liked Rashford although he didn't get on the score sheet I think the things that he was doing um, he had he had a very good performance today I think if he scores. Um, people are talking about a different kind of, you know, people are elevating that performance more so. But I, I really liked him today. Um, everything that's already been said about Marshall. I think there were two players to me today who were meh. And that, I think that was Maguire um, and probably Luke Shaw. I don't think Luke Shaw had a bad game, but I don't think he um, played particularly well. But I think, no, in fact, that's a lie. I think Luke Shaw was all right. I think the goalie, because he conceded. <laughs> Yeah, if, you, if you're going to point, if you're yeah. going to point fingers at anybody, I'd, I'd say them too. But other than that, I think everyone um, for United played well. But that's my my my, my two pence on the Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, no worries. I appreciate it as always. Um, yeah, Chris Mush. So, um, twelve thirty kickoff. We already know that's not necessarily the fondest game over uh, in Merseyside, but we move. The bad regardless. vibes games. Yeah, <laughs> we move regardless. Um, and you dispatch with Crystal Palace to the tune of seven goals. They even grab one. Um, talk us through that that performance. 
Um, it was interesting. It was an interesting one. Chris, I'll put you through on goal, mate. It's all yours. You take it. <laughs> um, no, just, just, I think Milivojevic summed it up the best. He said that he's never seen a team be as ruthlessly, ruthlessly efficient as that Liverpool team was yesterday. I mean, we had eight shots at goal and scored seven. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, just an all-round good performance, really. I mean, first half, we weren't particularly that great. I mean, we never really got our second gear. Um, Palace had a really good spell for about 10, 15 minutes. And uh, I, I've never seen someone kind of like mess up a bit of a through ball through to Zaha. And he, he looked like he'd just seen some, like he'd seen a ghost after he'd messed up the pass. Uh, there's been some like global catastrophe just gone to his left-hand side or something. Um but no, man, we played play really well. We're moving the ball so efficiently, and uh, if if it's not if if not a, the Pogba goal from earlier on the season against West Ham, I probably say the Firmino goal is a contender for goal of the season because Jesus Christ, uh, the uh, the way we moved the ball and it was just two clean passes through and the touch that Bobby had in the box for the finish was absolutely sensational. And I can't really ask for anything more from this Liverpool team because this performance has really been coming for a while. Yeah, um, they started pretty well. Um... And I quite, uh, you know what you do when you're watching, you're tweeting away. And I was like, oh, the attack's not looking <laughs> too good, you know. Uh, so Palace are able to keep their shape and they're, they're breaking well. Um, and they did have some good chances. Um, Mush, w- when you look at that first kind of 20, 30 minutes and how the game ended up going, um, w- what thoughts are your takeaways? Because I know you don't tend to just look at the result. You also kind of analyse the overall performance as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really interesting because, like Chris said, he's spot on. I, I don't think many Liverpool fans, although we enjoyed the goals going in, I think there's been games, for example, the Wolves game a few weeks ago, where I think it was a bit more assured over the 90 minutes, where it felt like we had more control of the match. I thought um, Eze and uh, Zaha were still troubling us, especially in that in that 30 minute period. I think one one thing that did change during the game was that. Um, Henderson kind of got on the ball a lot more. We played a lot more through him. Um, I think the issue was Fabinho had a bit of a dodgy start to the game, got caught under the ball one or two times. There was that bouncing ball leading to the IU um, chance, like Chris was saying. Um, and, and and I think it, it was one of those weird performances where the difference was just quality. I think Palace and Liverpool ended up in very similar situations in front of goal. And the difference is if you've got Ayu or Benteke or Zaha on the end of one chance, or you've got someone like Sadio Mane or Mohamed Salah, the outcomes are different. And football, though we look in deep into the statistics of, of every metric going, there's only one stat that counts. And I think Liverpool just have players who define those stats better than anyone else. So I think that's the big differential from Liverpool compared to everyone else in this league, I think, apart from maybe Spurs when they're on song is that they've got players who define matches. Mm, I saw Tobes, Tobes roll his eyes there. So Tobes, obviously, uh, you were put to the sword by Liverpool uh, in the midweek and you're pretty vocal while watching the game um, this weekend. Um, what, what, were your, what were your thoughts? I mean, Salah's come off the bench and, and he's grabbed grabbed a couple of goals and an assist just because just yeah. he wanted to, really. Um, yeah. Watching that, because obviously... Before before um, today's results, you guys were there and thereabouts. I mean, you still are, but we'll get on to that. What were your thoughts watching watching Liverpool today and and in the midweek as well? Um, they're just a better side. It's that simple, really. Um, 
the better team would always take their chances. The better team will win when they need to win. And that's what they did this week. Against us, you saw the amount of chances we had in the second half. We didn't put them away. Against Liverpool, whereas they didn't create any clear-cut chances, um, they took two of the openings they had on goal and they, they, they put us to bed. And then again, on Crystal Palace, you see the quality between the two sides. We went to Crystal Palace. We were on the same Discord. We were speaking about it as well when Tottenham went there. You, you saw know the vibes, man. Come on. Yeah, we, you saw us. We were in control in the first half, creating chances. Liverpool were 3-0 up in the first half. And what does Jurgen Klopp do at halftime? He brings on Mo Salah. He says, you know what? We're 3-0 up, but there's more goals here. There's more goals here. Let's go get more goals. And they put seven past them. Money know... was seething. Money was like, I haven't eaten. I need to eat. Money, money is <laughs> Man didn't, didn't even smile. Man didn't even smile when Salah put it in. Only was chomping at the bit because he knew there were goals there. And, yeah, man. And that's the difference. They're ruthless and they're just flat out better. They're mm. just flat out better than us. And they showed um, they showed that clip of Mane and uh, Firmino on Match of the Day last night. Uh, was there like it's eighty five minutes in the game and he's got Bobby's all there smiling like yeah yeah I've done, I've done all right yeah and you got Mane on the other side like I'm gonna fucking have some more when I get back in that chair. <laughs> 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 it's, it's ridiculous. And uh, that, that, that's the difference between the two sides. Jur- um, Jurgen Klopp is freeing up at halftime. And he says, you know what? My guys can get more goals here. We can add more goals to the goal difference. Jose Mourinho is up 1-0 at halftime after a good positive performance. And he says, okay, guys, let's let's sit back now. And let's invite them onto us and let's try and catch them on the counter. It's the, difference. it's the difference in mentality, difference in team quality and difference in approach. And that's why they're, they're, they're rightly top of the table. They deserve it. Can't disagree. Can't disagree at all. Um, before we go on, don't know, Shabs, if you caught the game, if you had any thoughts you wanted to share about Liverpool, what you what you saw this weekend, what you've seen this week. Um, they're, top, they're top of the table. I mean, embarrassingly, a lot of people rejoice about the injuries they had to some of their key players. Virgil van Dijk, Gomez, Thiago has been out for quite a while as well. Had little niggle in injuries with Trent, with uh, Robertson as well. But they're going to be top on Christmas Day again. Um, yeah. I think Liverpool have impressed me this week with their football. Um, I say this week, I go to Wednesday. Um, and and yeah, man, I think without being amazing, they did the job. Did the job that needed to be done. Um, thank you guys very much. You know, we love it. We love it. Um, Tim Sherwood, you know, silly him on TV talking like, yeah, man, no aerial threats and then boom. And I even saw some Tottenham fans clutching at straws about the the, the the foul that was not on, I think it was Eric Dyer. Yeah. Um, weak, man. Weak. I'm not saying that was anyone here. It wasn't. Arsenal, isn't it, Shabs? No, I'm not saying that was anyone here. Listen, you're worried about the wrong things. Let's focus on what we're talking about right now. You're worried about all the wrong things. I think it was clutching. But yeah, man, we move. Um, and then I think as for yesterday, they, they obliterated Palace. Um, it's what you'd expect. You'd expect a convincing victory from this Liverpool side because it's what we've come to know them as being. But again, the level of ruthlessness was was, was something else for me. And um, Bobby Firmino, there's this debate about Bobby Firmino. I, I think it's the people inside the club generally, the fans, you know, people very close to the club generally tend to um, highly accept him and appreciate him. And then I think maybe from how I understand, there's a broader debate about his usefulness, his impact or whatnot. But I think it was amazing from on, on that game. From what I saw, he was amazing. His all-round play, his contribution um, all around, the, the, the goals. Um, 
I saw what was what I think the best parts of his game are. Um, and I know it's the opposition or whatnot, but yeah, he's done it. And someone said you can afford to have, I think it was you, Murat. I think it's a different kettle of fish when you're centre forward and you're, you, you know, your numbers aren't where they need to be. But when your side is winning, and I think it's about his overall contribution, because I'm very much from the school of if you're centre forward, you have to be about your numbers. And if you if you ain't netting, I don't I don't really respect it in that way. But so he has fallen into that category at times for me personally, from my perspective. But there's bits about his all round game that I'm looking at and saying, yeah. And I don't think this was like um, the best eleven that Liverpool could put out. We know it wasn't. But yeah, man, they just they 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 held Crystal Palace to the sword, man. And they it was rolled them, man. They're powerful. Yeah. That's the thing about Liverpool. They're like just juggernauts. And like when you're going away to these Prem teams, you just they're steamrolling teams, man. Yeah, and they're, and they're, steamrolling guys. It's crazy. And I, I like Palace. I've got I've got time for Palace. Like you know, there were some ballers there. Um, there's there's times where I looked at the, like I didn't watch the the game as it was on, but I'm um, looking back. And there's times where I looked and there were certain players, and I felt like the players just at points in the game, some of the Palace players just didn't know what to do or where. Like you know how demoralizing that must be. Like you're four nil down, five nil down, and these guys have still got another gear in them. You know what I mean? Like before Salah scores, and then it's like, and then Salah scores, and then it's just heads dropped, and we get the ball. What do we do when we get the ball? What can we really try? You know what I mean? That's just, and and that was it. They Liverpool demoralised Palace yesterday. So yeah, yeah. Um, Christian Mush just started like we feel like humble, like yeah, it's calm, like. This is calm, lads. Calm. I've got thoughts in it. I've got thoughts. I'm, I, I don't give know credit where credit's due, man. I ain't even about this. Like, I give credit where, where yeah, you do. I was where, gonna, I was gonna mention as well. Um, I felt like that game with Palace. I know, um, I know. Obviously, Palace probably had the better of the first half in terms of the general approach, even though they were three 0 down. But I felt the way in which Liverpool started that game was quite fast and aggressive, and I feel like. Um, I feel like Jurgen Klopp has set out to make amends for what he saw against Brighton away, what he saw against Fulham away. Because I'm because when we watch Liverpool in both those games, sloppy, sloppy, slow starts, and and they could have been if if not for poor finishing, both Fulham and Brighton could have been out of sight. And I know you can probably say that for Crystal Palace in certain parts of the game, if it better decision making, better finishing, etc. But generally, within like the first two minutes of the match, they're already one nil up. And they're already setting the tone for the game. So you have to commend it, man. Do you know what, Tobes? You, there's one thing you said that's spot on. And I think with Liverpool being, you know, better than the rest uh, for the, you know, the, the near recent future, um, recent past, is that people forget that since um, lockdown, Liverpool have played, what, 13 away games and they've just about won half, over half of them now. So Liverpool haven't been perfect away from home. And it, and it has been a concern in the league. And, and it's weird because... I think it's one of those where, Mariah, you talk a lot about cachet, about like, you know, if, if players are doing well, um, you kind of let them have a day off or you accept when they have a bad day. And I mean, I got pelters from this in the Cop and Frackers group and, and I'm sure a lot of Liverpool fans listening are going to want me to talk about this, but I was very critical of Minamino um, and the way he played against Fulham. Um, not because I necessarily think he's a bad player. I want him to do well for the club, but I, I felt like he's come into a group of players where, he doesn't look like he fits the standard around him. And I think yesterday was a great kind of moment for him where he showed he has his own value, which he's going to contribute. And credit to the club again for that great transfer strategy. We signed him for a lot cheaper than other clubs have signed bigger players. And 
we don't was he, even need... was he seven million yeah yeah seven yeah. million pounds yeah. so you're, you're getting someone who you know when you sign a player for seven million the, the expectation's so small that anything he does is a positive as it is it can be a complete flop but I think now we've got another player just like Jota where with the injuries with the schedule with the rotation we've got quality coming in even if it's not the original hitters that we're used to yeah yeah um you're going to be a tough outfit to beat, to be honest with you. And I don't really see anybody taking it from you, barring one of your your, your big guys up up top getting injured. Um, and players are starting to come back. Thiago here's round the corner. Probably going to get a defender in in, in January. So you're, you're in good nick, man. Um, before we go to the next games, I'm going to stop, take a second, and talk about uh, an app we've been introduced to via our partner's fan slide. I know Chris, Toby... Um, you've both uh, used it this week. Yep. Same as me. Yep. <laughs> so just to tell our listeners a bit more about Fanslide, it's, it's a great app where essentially you're on there with your friends and you can basically compete against your friends and compete against everybody else who's on the app with the opportunity to win uh, money, win prizes. Uh, how it works essentially is you have three players on your team Uh, the person you're up against and everybody else has three players on their team and you can basically make them active for as long as 20 minutes within a game and they accumulate points for like tackles, shots on target, interceptions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I I, I used it this weekend. I used it in your game, Tobes. Thank you for that. Useless, (laughs) absolutely useless. Um, Harry Kane didn't do anything for me or Son. Hmm. And then I used it in our game and I couldn't quite catch it because... um, when you're starting off, like, for example, what I tend to do is whoever I think the strongest team is, I'll have one of their attackers in my three. Mm-hmm. I'll have a defender assuming they're going to keep a keen sheet and then might keep their keeper on there as well. Like, the keeper's going to keep a keen sheet and it's just a safe, safe player to use because, because you've only got 20 minutes. You don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to use it up. Um, but we just hit them up. Obviously, I'm not going to think to use Scott. <laughs> Exactly. Like, I'm not going to expect them to come on And then w- once they do one good thing, you're like, "Ooh, are they going to do something else good, or do I just ride it out?" And I can't like, I take a guy off, and then he do something good, and I put yeah. a guy on, and he didn't do anything good afterwards. Um, uh, what was your experience of it, Tobes? Mine was, mine was. It started off really well because I the first game I used it for was uh, the Palace game. Yeah, I literally played it so well, like. I had a perfect tactic. I didn't go, I didn't use all the, I didn't go gung-ho and put in all of the attackers straight away. So I think initially I put in um, one of, I put in Fabinho and a few others. And then towards the end of the half, I put in Firmino. I put in Mane. So I had it, I, I, was, I was smart about it. And luckily for me, it paid off. And then I was like, okay, cool. Let me capitalize on this. Most Salah came in at halftime. So I said, okay, yep, yeah, I'm putting on Salah right now because he's going to score. The guy doesn't score. For the first, I think he, did, he didn't score for the, the first sort of like 20 odd minutes or something like that. I think he got one assist. And then just when my time, just when my time limit is up for Mo Salah and he goes off and I can't use him again, he then goes on, scores the first goal and then he scores his second goal late on in the end. And I'm like, bruv. But it's, it's, I like it though. I like, I like the, I like the sort of intelligence behind it because it's not just you going out and playing all your best players gung-ho because if you use your best players in the first 20 minutes of the game and they don't bang, <laughs> you're pissed. You're done. You're done. And essentially, yeah. I think um, it kind of makes you have to kind of stay... There's a bit of luck, definitely, but yeah. it kind of means you have to stay in tune with the game as it's going on and kind of be aware of the waves. Um, Chris, what was your experience of fans' life? 
Yeah, really good. I mean, I made the foolish mistake of taking uh, Holgate out for um, Michael Keane before the match started. Yeah. Um, and I saw like Keane, <laughs> I saw uh, Holgate get a load of interceptions and blocks in like the first 10 minutes. I was like, oh, I can't believe I've done that. But I made the nice the nice reward of having uh, Yerry Mina when he scored from a corner. So that Ooh, was quite nice. Nice. Uh, I know someone, I, I saw Ooh, someone have Rob Holding when he gave away that penalty. So I'm pretty sure they've lost as much hair as he did having him in their lineup. Um, but no, man, I mean, the, the app's really cool. It's really easy to use. And it's just, it's a lot of fun because you have to like, kind of like see the measured approach to the game. So if someone's on the back foot, do you put a defensive midfielder in knowing they're going to get a load of inceptions? If someone's tearing it up on the wing and a lot of dribbles and stuff, and you know they're going to see get, get an assist or chances created, you can put a guy in. So yeah, it's really fun to use, man. That's why I suggest everyone can get on it as soon as they can. Yeah, so so that's fan slide. Um, I'm I'm enjoying it. I, I learned a lot this weekend. Uh, probably going to be a bit more ballsy. Uh, going going forward. Uh, your boys, Tobes. I've got it out for Hazard Kane, and <laughs> son, son, I could have done with a I could have done with a thirty yarder again, mate. But yeah. uh, we move regardless. So yeah, um, sign up to fan slide. Give it a go. We're all on there. Um, yeah. So we'll see you on the other side. So with that being said, uh. Tobes. Because of what Carrie Kane and Hummin Song did to me on Fanslide, oh, I'm going to come to you, brother. Um, so, it's been a hell of a week for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to the game against Leicester, who are a good side, but I think kind of streaky. And what were your expectations coming in? And talk to us about how it actually played out. So, my expectations coming in was that Leicester have been strong on the road. This They've been one of the, probably the second, I think they got that, the second best away record this season. So my expectation... Who's got the best? Um, I think it's, I think it's, it might be Man United. I'm not too Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Cool. Continue. <laughs> it might be, it might be United. I can't remember, but um, I didn't do that on purpose, by the way. But I knew they were coming into it. I knew they were coming into it with a strong away record. And we know that they've taken scalps, um, big scalps off the likes of Man City and then maybe mini scalps off Arsenal because we can't really call that a big scalp. So um, basically, we knew that they were going to be dangerous to play against. And we were, I feel like Jose Mourinho was half hoping that Brendan Rodgers would be as naive as he was last season and would come there and try and dominate all of the ball and leave himself high, uh, leave himself exposed at the back and leave space in behind for the likes of Kane and Son because they got punished ruthlessly last season when they when they did that quite early on. But how the game transpired was very, very different. We didn't have the best of starts. In fact, we that's putting it kindly. We had a terrible start to the game. Um, players like Harry Kane struggling to keep the ball, players like Sonny struggling to keep the ball. We tried to go long, we tried to go um, direct and the ball just couldn't stick. Um, in addition to that, we let Leicester have too much of the ball and I felt that our approach was far too negative in the first half. Um, a team like Leicester, you need to try and nip them in the bud quick. And I hate having to bang on about Liverpool as the sort of beacon or the the example that we should look towards. But you look at Liverpool's performance. No, please, keep, please do. Keep on going. Yeah. yeah. You look Turn at it it's true, but you look at Liverpool's <laughs> performance against Leicester. They were on Leicester for minute one. Leicester didn't have a sniff. Vardy didn't have a sniff. And um, when you look at Leicester's defense, Liverpool were causing Leicester's defense all sorts of problems. We didn't do any of that today. And the, ta- and the approach didn't help. And then um, Aurier, he's been one of our best players this season, been fantastic. And it must have been like um, watching Aurier back of uh, the Aurier of last season because he inexplicably gives away a penalty that just didn't need to be given away. 
And I saw some stats saying that's like his fourth penalty that he's given away since 2017. So that's the second highest number of penalties given the away. Like can't any, change his spots, any, man. Any player. I'm looking at Toby's face. He's like, he can't quite comprehend the numbers that are going through his head. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's, 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 it's crazy. So, yeah, literally, like, it was a horrible way to end the half. But on, on reflection, it was... I, I kept saying during the Discord, Leicester haven't really played that well, but we were worse. We were worse. We couldn't keep the ball. And defensively, I don't think we did enough to contain Leicester. And then in the second half, it was just from bad to worse. Um, lucky goal. Lucky goal, really. But, I mean, the warning signs were there. They had just they scored a goal prior to that. That was all that for our side with, with James Madison. And really and truly, Leicester played how um, a team who's aspiring to beat us should play. Get close to Harry Kane. Don't let him turn. Don't give him time to try and play those passes in behind to Son. And then when you're trying to deal with Son, don't give him the space in behind. Fofana was excellent today. Yeah, he was excellent today. And I felt like Leicester's defence as a whole were excellent today. I think we created something like, we created something like one clear-cut chance all game. All game. So <laughs> I think they saw, they thought, stop Kane and Son and you effectively stop Spurs. And that's what happened today. Um, you've kind of been a, a bit of a detractor of of Jose Mourinho and his style, but you've had to somewhat bite your tongue because the results have been coming in. Um, so it's been two two on the bounce now. I think you're you're good against Liverpool, and it was harsh that you didn't take something out of that game. And you've kind of just been outplayed by Leicester, if we're calling it calling it a buck. Um, you guys were like what second, first? Now obviously we're still things are still very tight. I still probably have to wait another half a dozen games to see the table kind of start to reveal its true self. But are you worried? Do you think this is just a little blip? Um, yeah, I think I think it's just a bump on the road, man. I think um, I think we've done enough this season to show that we're actually a serious side. Like not. There's a difference between being a serious side and being a title challenger or a title contender or whatnot. But I think we've done enough to show that we are a serious side. We can beat good teams and we can string um, a number of positive results. But I think what you've just seen over the last week is, I don't know, you've seen Jose Mourinho sort of return back to the Jose Mourinho of old. Um, I cited games like Crystal Palace in the second half, refusing to to empty the clip and put them to bed completely and, 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 and letting them come on to us. I look at games like today where, um, where we were far too timid in the first half. Um, and you mentioned the Liverpool game, the Liverpool performance in the second, first half, he parked the bus, second half, he went after them. So my, in my head, I'm just thinking you have the balls to go to Anfield and go at them and, and, and play deliberately higher in the second half. But yet you want to cower and retreat at home to, to Leicester. Um, I'm not going to come here and badmouth him. Um, my opinion on Jose Mourinho is my opinion on Jose Mourinho, but generally I think he's done quite well this season. But games like today is why he gets stick. Games like today is why he gets criticism, but I'm not going to put it all on him today because I think the players the players let, them, let him down today as well. But generally as a manager, you have a responsibility to put the best to put that team, put, to put the best team and best approach possible for you to win the game. I don't think he did that today. And I think the substitutions today were even worse. So I think today in terms of management, poor. And I feel like as the season goes on as well, he needs to go back to what we saw at the start of the season, where, we, where he actually had a decent balance between attacking teams and playing the defensive football. No one's going to complain at him going to Anfield and retreating and parking the bus or whatnot. But we are going to complain when you're doing it at home to Leicester, when you're doing it away to Crystal Palace. It's not on. 
Do, do you think it's a bit harsh though when you when you when you consider the bigger picture? If I think to, today's result is today's result. That's that's you know that's still that's still fresh. Um, there's no disrespect to Leicester. You know they they are a good side, and I don't think in in you know in this season I don't think there's any shame in losing to to Leicester. I think maybe there's a way um, your team went about the performance today, which is what I think you're hearing. But I think if you take today's result and Wednesday's result against the current champions and the best woman, the best team in the land, if you take them out of the picture. Um, I think it's hard. I think some of the things that you said about Mourinho are a bit harsh because I think bigger picture is that um, they've your side has recruited well, spent well in the summer, um, kind of given him what he needs and given him the tools um, that he needs to um, to to push you lot on and take you forward. I think he he got in, came in mid season last season, looked at it and said, I can't really work with this team. This team don't have the things that I need to work with mm. um, to get us where I would like us to be. So you've backed him, um, and I think he's given you hope, and he's 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 definitely progressing the side. So I think mm. I'm asking, do you think it's a bit harsh some of, of what you said? And I'm not a Mourinho man at all. I'm, I'm proper not like I. I always say, I've said it, say on the Discord, it's going to end in tears with him eventually or whatnot. But do you think, like, if you all things considered, this is actually an all right position to be? Because these results happen throughout the course of a season. Um, the two games um, within the short time frame, and everyone's dealing with it. You know, Liverpool themselves, they had the blip the other day, um, you know, where they dropped points, but they've come back and they've come back strong from that. It, yeah. It can happen. So teams are under a lot of pressure at the moment and the load is heavy for everyone. So these things are bound to happen is the way that I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, that's that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I'm not trying to, my, as I said, my opinion on Jose Mourinho is unchanged. Unless I see something substantial, it's not going to change. But I did say earlier on that I'm not going to come on here and try and bash him like that because on the whole, he's done a good job this season. I can't look at what he's done this season and and complain. But I'm just complaining about these specific matches, the approach, because I felt like they're very avoidable. You didn't have to go to Crystal Palace and drop two points. Same way today, we didn't have to. Leicester are a good side, but we we should, we could, and we should have won today, in my opinion. Before the before a ball was kicked, I was confident. I feel I feel like they're as dangerous as Leicester are. There is no reason for us to to be losing two 0 today to Leicester, as good as they are. The way we've played this season with the players that we have available, I felt like a different approach could have got us a more positive result. But on the whole, I think he has done quite well this season. So um, I just want to see, again, him just return to the to, to what we saw at the start of the season or even in various points of the season where he's been able to balance the front foot approach with the sort of defensive responsibility. I can't mm-hmm. take away. I can't take away the fact that he's improved our defense. I can't take away any of that. So today isn't all on him, but I do feel that a better approach, better substitutions would have helped. Cool. So you mentioned your subs. I want to speak to the guys about uh, a few Tottenham players this season. Um, just your thoughts on their performance, their contribution. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Tanguay Ndombele. So Jose Mourinho um, has brought him off at um, 46 minutes today. Uh, I think Lewis posted something in the Discord which pretty much shows that he doesn't ever really play more than 65, 70 minutes. Um, your team's in the mar. You need a big performance from your, your big money midfielder. Um, how, how do you think he's done this season, guys? Not totally. Marino's got more out of him this season 
plan. Um, than last, definitely. I think last season was probably, um, there were definitely, I think there were some adaptation issues. Um, I don't think he was bad. I think all, all Tottenham were not performing well for the team that he came into. And then there was the managerial change. There were clear fitness issues. I think fitness issues seem to be a theme here because otherwise I don't understand why he um, can't play 90 minutes. I thought someone was joking when they said he hasn't played 90 minutes. Then we saw... I think it was something like the last 10 games or whatever. I, I think his highest uh, minutes played is 76 minutes. Um, there's two games in the league where he's played this season where he's got more than 70 minutes. Um, so there is an issue. I did wonder if something else was going on because I felt like, and I was even saying, it feels like Mourinho likes to scapegoat him. And I don't know what that is. I don't think it does anyone, like a, a player of his, um, almost, yeah, his ilk, his status, I don't think it, is going to do any wonders for his confidence if he continues to be dragged off. And I think that's the thing that I'm I'm most curious about because like this has happened quite a few times under Mourinho that I've noted where Mourinho's um, taken him off for, yeah, you, we could have been dragged at half-time or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, this ain't, I don't know. I think this this looks like oh, he's pointing out a bad marriage. I don't know if this is going to end end well. I don't know who's going to end well for, but um, I'm, I'm curious about what's happening. Do you know yeah. what, just to uh, add to that, actually, what, one thing that, I d- Tobes, I guess you watch him a lot more than me, but Shabs, in terms of Tangi and Dombele, one thing that I've seen with him is that when you look at his body shape and his kind of explosiveness, he's very much a player who is built kind of, you know, uh, in a way that he makes a lot of sharp, explosive movements, but that lightness to maybe get around the pitch and come and ask for the ball. For me, Tangi Ondobele looks like a player who needs to be given the ball and no no doubt his quality is good once he gets it. But that ability to float and I, I reckon if we look at Ndombele's heat maps, they're probably a lot more limited than a player in his position should be. And I think if conditioning was a bit better maybe um, at Spurs and it might get there eventually he might be able to ask for the ball more and and operate in spaces where he currently you know he physically can't get to I don't know Tobes if if you feel like you see that when you watch him play I don't think it's any um, surprise he plays higher up the pitch uh, I think that's, yeah yeah that's the most much higher than he played at Leon. I think um, it's, it's for that very reason but interested to hear what you say Tobes yeah, no, you've literally hit the nail on the head there. I think the the, the issue is his conditioning. Um, Mourinho doesn't trust him enough to play him as a central midfielder in a four-three-three shape or in as one of the two in the, in a double pivot. Because in a Mourinho team, a midfielder isn't just picked because of what they do on the ball; it's what they do off the ball as well. And I feel like that bit is possibly lacking for Ndombele. But same time, I think. Him playing so high up the pitch, as good as he is, is a hindrance to his true potential and a hindrance and a hindrance to how we build up play from midfield because it defeats the whole purpose of, of, of why we bought him in the first place. We bought him in the first place to improve our build up and to give us something different in the middle of the park. So when he's further high up in the pitch, it really disrupts the way we can build up play, especially up against sides who are not going to give us that space in behind to counter. So, um he does need to improve his conditioning. I do believe he can play more than 60 minutes. I know we've joking about it in the Discord, but 
I do actually believe he can play more than 60 minutes. Um, but again, the manager knows more than I do, and Dombele knows more than I do. So who am I to who am I to question it? Agreed. And the second player I wanted to ask you guys about, he he also came on today. Um Gareth Bell. So obviously he he's come in from Real Madrid. Um he's he's cooked, isn't he? Um, I Uncle, Look at all of our reactions when, when you mentioned Gaffer. It was picturesque. I swear. Yeah, I'm interested to hear your, your thoughts. What uh, What is he bringing to Spurs at this moment in time? What, I mean, whenever I, whenever I see him come on the pitch or whenever I see him play, I mean, you look at him today, it sometimes looks like he struggles to move. It's, it's such a far cry from the player that was, you know, Doing overhead kicks against us in the Champions League final a few years ago, it's 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 insane. Like, and I think it's more of a case of his. Obviously, there's no doubt that the talent's definitely there, but it's a more of a case of his body betraying him uh, more than anything. And it's it's quite sad to see. I mean, you could probably put me out there. I mean, we've got the exact same hairstyle. You could have put me out there for Gareth Bale. We probably would have done <laughs> the exact same thing. So, yeah, it's um, it's I mean, it's a, I think it's a nice story to see. You know, Bale going back to Spurs. I think that was nice at the beginning of the season, but in terms of added value and what he's given to them, it's it's not a lot really. Mm, um, I think it's his application. I think he's. Um, I don't think he's performed well at all um, since he's got back there. Um, he's thinking up the joint the way that I look at it, but um, you know, something. Yeah, but he's going to get a blight, I think, because he's Gareth Bell. I think people are going to kind of. Uh, look the other way. Not probably not Tottenham fans, but I think you know, uh, much of the pundits, um, other people in and around the game, people are going to just kind of overlook him or you know, um, trade on his past glories or you know, echo sentiments of yesterday or whatever. But um, today, I didn't see nothing from him, and and uh, you know, he's a threat. Like he's a player who, yeah, um, you know, Chris said it. That like Christian said it. Talent exceeds. Um, that of, of 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 so many of the other guys in 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 that team, so many guys in the league, his talent exceeds. But um, his application, I don't think he's applying himself. I don't think he he, he looks like a shadow of his former self. Um, and I don't see where because I don't know if Tottenham would permanently sign him on this yeah. evidence. Yeah. Um, I think if he goes back to Madrid, uh, he's out of favour there. We know that. I think regardless of whether Zidane's there or someone else comes in, he's out of favour. Um, so where does he go? Where does he kind of go from here? What becomes of his 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 career? And I think he's he's won stuff. Don't get me wrong, but I remember his career in moments more so than any kind of one amazing um, season that he's that he's had. Do, do you know what? Do you know one thing that I think? Uh, you know how uh, Mariah was talking about Greenwood just now about how he hasn't developed that burst yet, and what's positive about Greenwood is we're waiting to see that. What's scary is that Bale's on the other side of losing that burst where we've seen it, it's gone. Is it coming back? And when I talk about burst here, I'm not talking about the lungs of getting up and down the pitch. I'm talking about you receive the ball. Do you have the explosiveness to shift away from the defender? Yards. Lick a shot. Sorry? Yeah, like you're talking about what you're talking about in terms of getting that yard, but then you're also talking about that five, ten yards, which yeah, is exactly, exactly. You're operating in a tight area of the pitch, and it's just about can you be de decisive against your direct opponent? And 
I saw Bale today isolate his man quite a few times. And he tried to do that shift he does onto his natural foot, which he's been fantastic at for years. And he could barely get past his first man and he was getting crowded out every time. So I don't know if that improves with fitness or it's just gone permanently. I think with I think with Gareth Bell, it's clear to see that he a lot of his physical qualities are not what they used to be. And I feel like with Spurs fans, we are re- I know a lot of people will take the Mickey out of ourselves, the good but the, the good times and uh the buzz that it created. But rightly so, he's someone that we we hold in high regard. And I feel like a lot of people, more so on the physical aspect, a lot of people are looking at the technical aspect. We know that he's not the, the same Gareth Bale he was, but his technical quality alone is far greater than anything we had on that right-hand side. And when you compared it to, to Lucas Moura or to Eric Lamella, who can't pick a pass to save his life, for heaven's sake. And um, I think with Gareth Bale, the physical, the physical aspects are a worry because I knew he was not at his best, but... What I've seen so far this season, it's causing um, a greater concern. But I think what's most disappointing and what I'm clinging on to as a a possible area of improvement is his use of the ball. Even when he's got the ball in positions where he can cross, he can pass, he can probably get a shot off at a goal. It's been poor. It's been poor. We're not seeing anything, anything, anything close to what he's truly capable of. And I know that his body is not what it used to be, but even still... He can be produ- He can be doing. He could be producing um, um, a little bit more than what he's done so far. And I do. I am retaining hope in that. I don't want to use the F word just yet because I know a lot of people have thrown the F word of Gareth Bale around. What, fraud. Not fraud. Um, oh. The F I N. Blah blah blah. I'm not going to say it yet. I don't want to yeah. say it. Yet, so it's finished. Um, Oh, yeah. yeah, that word exactly. So I don't want to. I don't want to stamp him with that yet because I still think there's still something there that we can squeeze out. But time is ticking for him. It's time really- is ticking. And and the final player I wanted to ask you about, and it's a player I was expecting you to mention when you mentioned Lamella and Lucas, but you didn't. Um, was Stevie Bergwijn? So Left him out on purpose. Uh, yeah, good because I'm mentioning him now. So um, two two big chances against Liverpool. Um, didn't didn't hit the net. Think. Finding moments in the game, um, didn't start against Leicester. Um, Jose has, I think, backed him for the most part on the right hand side, and I think you need that third player to go with Kane and Son because when they have the days like today when things aren't necessarily coming off, there needs to be that third option who, once in a while, even though they're mainly complementary, once in a while can be like, you know what. I'm going to do a bit more today and I'm going to try and make things happen. Um, yeah. Is Stevie Bergwijn that, that player? He can be that player. Um, shameless plug. I mean, it's a touchline plug anyway. I wrote an article about this last yeah, week. Yeah, no, plug away, man. Literally explaining every every one of these issues that we've discussed so far. So um, hop on our website, go check it out, go have a read and go and then let us know what, what your... Um, what your options are or your thoughts are in terms of how we go ahead. But with Steven Bergwijn, the potential is there. Um, no one can convince me that that's a bad player because he can pass a ball, he can finish, he can run at opponents. But this season, he's just been so off colour. Like, he's been so, so poor. Um, I was heavily critical of him after the Liverpool match and um, a lot of our touchline Hotspur um, fellow members were saying, oh, you're being harsh. He played well in general, in terms of his general approach getting into those areas. And normally I would say, yeah, he did, but I'm sick and tired of defending Steven Bergwijn um, in the final third because I do feel like he has a lot more to offer 
us in the final third. I do feel like the way that he's being deployed by Jose Mourinho because of his defensive contribution, it possibly could hinder um, the impact he can make in the final third. But generally, we need more goals. We need more goals. And I feel like with him, in order to avoid the club dipping into the window again, it's his responsibility to show that he can step up and give us very much some of what we need. Lamella hasn't done it in the seven or eight years he's been here. Lucas Moura seems like he's completely fallen off a cliff. Gareth Bell, we've spoken about him just now. So there's still an opportunity. He's getting starts. He's getting Premier League minutes. So he really needs to take these opportunities by the scruff of its neck and start delivering. I don't know what everyone else's thoughts are. are do, on, do, on do you know one thing? Do you know one thing I think about now that you're talking about Stephen Bergwijn? Like, um, what, what I'm thinking right now, when I picture Stephen Bergwijn, what situation do I worry about Stephen Bergwijn if he's an opponent of mine? And I can't envision one scenario where I'm scared of Stephen Bergwijn being the player on the ball. That doesn't mean he doesn't have quality. What I mean is he what during his time at Spurs, he has not created a role or a or a USP for himself that makes him a threat. I don't mind if he's isolated my fullback. I don't mind if he's got space for a shot because he's a competent footballer, but there's nothing ultimately that he has like a key attribute that I'm I'm afraid of. You think you don't think he has the USP, but is that harsh given that they signed him in January? He um, played, he, he had a decent start and then he got injured and then the disruption to the season and he's, he really was injured into... Uh, uh, did, he, oh, did, he, did he return to play when... Um, we came back to football. Yeah, yeah he scored he? against Man United. Yeah. Yeah, he scored against United when he took Maguire on, didn't he? I, I think the criticism from from yeah. uh, Mush it's a tad harsh, but I can see where he's coming from because yeah, 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 ultimately, yeah. ultimately Bergwijn has not given any opposition fans a reason to think that yet he he's something special over the last few months. And I do think he needs to improve because he he has these qualities. He just needs to bring he just needs to bring them out more. Um, a lot of our fans were giving him a lot of stick and I can understand giving him stick and criticising his performance, but what people need to bear in mind as well is he's only been here, like like Sab said, he's only been here 11 months. He's only been here 11 months. He's only 23 years old. We know that he has to deliver, but I feel like with Steven Bergwijn, you almost give him that sort of grace period because he's so young, because he's not been here for a long time. You expect that the performances were, are going to improve. So for me, I'm I'm happy to give him time now, but it's not to excuse the form that we've seen this season. And he generally needs to improve those performances. If only. If only I just want to such a weird player because he reminds me so much of Ryan Babel, like the similarities in the style of player that they are. It's just, you know, both kind of pacey, pacey attackers, both kind of really awkward in, in front of goal. There's just so many similarities. So Yeah, we'll, we'll be watching that one closely. When I spit bars in a ring, when I go hard, that's Santan. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job sites, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now... 
Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. When I spit bars in a when I go hard, last and tan- um, listen, I've tried to hold it off for as long as I could, but through a process of elimination, we were always going to get here, Shabs. So uh, we are here now. Uh, talk about your Arsenal. Uh, a 2-1 loss against Everton. Um, just to start off, that starting lineup. I don't think... Scary hours. A, a worse starting lineup in, in, in the Premier League era, um, the post-glory days from Arsenal. Um, so obviously that kind of set the tone. Anyway, but what were your thoughts on on yesterday's performance? Um, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, I agree with you about the lineup there, man. It's just um, it goes from bad to worse. I think you know, the, the, obviously, the big thing is Abramian. As far as the performances, so I didn't watch the game in real time. I was I was on the Discord, but I was in transit. Um, so I said that, but I've gone back, had a look, and yeah, man, it it. it it was much of the same. I think I was asking Amanda in the touchy chat that like, was there anything different? Was there anything objectively? Was there anything positive um, about the performance? And there was nothing. There's nothing to write home about. It is where it is. Um, you know, I think the performances were generally, genuinely poor. Um, and yeah, I just don't think we looked like threatening. I don't think the Everton side were good. Um, that said, they didn't have to be good to beat us. They didn't really have to do a lot to beat us. Um, and that's worrying, you know, because I think that's what, if you look at um, Southampton, I think for Southampton have been playing some good football as well. They weren't at their best, um, you know, they kind of held us. The game before that was against Burnley. Um, they weren't at their best. Burnley were absolutely terrible, you know. Um, I don't know if they had a shot on on goal. Um you know, we done the work for them. They actually beat us without scoring, which is crazy. Um, and then you can kind of go back. You go back to Tottenham. We all know the stories there. Um, Well-deserved win for Tottenham then, and and the story continues. So it just looks like we can't we can't buy a win. I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now. I genuinely can't see Arsenal um, getting a um, getting a victory for the remainder of 2020. I don't. I, I genuinely don't see it happening. And if you look at all of the underlying numbers, that's the reason why. Um, you know, I always say numbers are one thing, but the eye test as well. Um, what do the performances tell you, or the level of performance tell you? I think the level of performance is just air. Like I said, there's nothing to write home about. Um, you know, very so. If we can get uh, three or four players playing well, um, then I think that's like a good. That's a good thing. Generally, we're having like one or two players playing not well, decent. Um, and this is where we're at at the moment. I think yesterday, um, oh, 
who do I think played all right yesterday? I think Tierney was all right going forward. Um, defensively, it was a bit shaky. But going forward, he done some positive things. Um, I think Saka, I think it looks like if we don't involve him in the game or can't find him, then we've got nothing. Um, but he um, genuinely looks like he turns up and he tries and he performs and he tries to make things happen. I think he's our best chance of of things happening going forward for us. Um, so we have to build through him. Um, and I think Ainsley Maitland-Niles probably was, 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 was okay. Not particularly good game for him, but I don't think he was bad either. Um, everyone else, eh, absolute eh, man. I think um, Ceballos didn't do enough. Um, El Nelly didn't do enough. Holding was terrible. Um, David Luiz tried. He tried to make things happen when he was on the ball, um, such as him. But the defensive side didn't really do enough for us um, at all, which you can't really be too surprised about. Um, Eddie didn't give us anything. Pepe, he stunk up the joint. Fair enough, he scored a penalty. But other than that, he just he failed to get involved, didn't get involved. And Willian, gosh, I, I just... I don't know why he 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 played the whole game, and I, and I don't think I'm alone in saying that. Again, he started. Um, I think it's ludicrous now to consider that his performances or his level of performance since we've signed him has been this, and yet he gets a, a you know he gets a free pass every week. Like the slate gets wiped clean, and he just starts whatever the weather, um, and that's an issue for me. That's an issue for me because you can't come out. And that's why I look at the, the coach being hypocritical because you can't come in and talk about um, non-negotiables and a uh, um, meritocracy and, you know, but then you look at players who just have failed to perform week in, week out, but get starts regardless, man. And, and I think that's where I take issue. And that's where some of the wider frustrations come into it. People couldn't, can, can see and recognise now that there are limitations with um, Arteta but where people are really losing their rag is in the players that he continues to um, stand behind and have have faith in, and it's um, it's it's an absolute shit show. Shut up! Just took on, took on the um, just touch on the William thing again. Do you think mm. he goes to bat for him, Arteta? That is uh, for William a lot more because that's his guy. That's the guy he kind of asked for, and you know that's the he's the reason why Gunasaurus is you know still. He's not using the ground now, kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. I think so. Yeah, man. Um, I, I think it has to be. I think it's difficult to see it any other way. We don't have any evidence of it, of, of, of it, or, or I don't have a, a, a hypothesis for it being any other way. To be honest with you, um, I think what we what we know from the club's perspective are the links to Kia, and you know Edu Kia. Um, they got him in. Um, I don't think that the word is, and now maybe Eddie's doing some revisionism and, you know, he's distancing himself from it. But apparently Arteta called him up and said, look, man, we want you here. Um, and and so, yeah, I think that's part of the reason why I stand behind him. I was saying, even if we did sign him, um, that wasn't as bad as it gets. How it's worked, how, how, how I see it as being a terrible situation. A bad situation is signing William. A terrible situation is signing him to the wages that we signed him to. A catastrophic situation is signing him to the wages that we signed him for, for the duration, for the length of the contract. It's horrendous, man. It, 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 like, it makes you seriously question what is going on 
and who is making these decisions, man. And it's just like from any kind of, um, like if you look at it in terms of like any kind of footballing based decisions being made, it's, 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 it's really hard to rationalise that. It's really hard to kind of understand the thinking behind that. Arteta came in and said three years is what it's going to take for him to kind of um, take this club to where we need to be but sign this guy to a three-year contract and you think correlation. So you see this guy as being integral to your progression over the next three years. It stinks, man. It absolutely yeah, stinks. I wanted to, I wanted to, I know, I'm not sure what the, um, what the timescale is, Mariah, in terms of the agenda, but I wanted to talk on some more of your plays and more importantly, the tactics, because like you said, teams don't have to play well to beat Arsenal. Teams mm. don't have to play well to get points. And... Um, there's been a big debate going on this week on should Arteta, should Arsenal get rid of Arteta, should um, should Arteta be retained, back him, back him. But my thing here is I don't really understand why there is an indication by some of your fan base that things are going to improve. I don't see. I, you. I, I don't. I don't. I don't understand because I'm watching. I'm watching Arsenal play now, and it doesn't make sense to me. I'm watching yeah. a team. I'm watching a team with no aerial prowess in the final third. Um, yet we're seeing slapping crosses, into crosses spammed into the box. Um, I'm seeing a team who struggle to build up outside of wide areas. I'm seeing a team who can't score to save their lives. I'm seeing a team with wide men who can't even take on their opponent one v, in one v one situations. I'm just seeing a, a disaster class of a of a season right now, and mm. I don't understand why there is so much blind faith from some of your fan base because man, better managers in better positions have been sacked for less. Mm. Better managers in better positions have performed worse than, uh, have performed slightly better than Arteta's performing now and they've been sacked. So I don't really understand one, what is taking your board so long and two, where, why some of your fan base expect that things are just going to all of a sudden improve. Yeah, Pope, I think... can I top up on that? Sorry, Shabs, I just want to top up yeah, on that. So you... Uh, you know, dump it on Shabs, boy, go on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got to remember these points, but yeah, yeah, I'm holding them, go for it. Yeah, no, what I want to know is, how is there any light in what Arteta's doing? In the sense of, to me, there's no way he can come out of this positively, because if, if like Chris said, you are playing with the players you wanted, then what you're producing were the players you wanted, i.e. having Willian, keeping, holding, and those th those different decisions that he's made. Cedric's contract, we all know the crazy, what we deem crazy decisions that Arsenal are playing with. So you're producing something with, something with your players and it's terrible. Or even if some Arsenal fans are trying to say it's the board and Arteta's using players, but trying to establish an identity with them, what you see with an identity, but with insufficient personnel, is you see patterns, but the quality or the profiles might not be able to execute. So either right. way, so you, will you see can't the escape. Intention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you will see so them getting into Klopp. the box, but then Klopp. finishing in the boxes poor, for example. You will see exactly. that so if there's no building. Patterns, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah, I was just kind of agreeing with you. I didn't mean to kind of interrupt you. Was was but was that generally the point or the question? That yeah, you're yeah, yeah. It's like either it's me. your personnel yeah. or your patterns. Neither are working. So what yeah. you can't die on any hill, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think the I, I, yeah, I think your question is linked um, with what Toby was asking initially 
about the tactics. Um, this is a this this is a coach who um, doesn't have a very clear sense of how he wants to play the game. So he talks, you know, he came out at the beginning in his initial interviews and said, this is what he wants to do, wants to be the main protagonist, wants to play with the ball, you know, wants to attack a certain way, but you haven't seen any of that translate on, on the pitch in terms of the way that he's set the side up. Um, he's tried different things. He's gone between different things, which tells me the way that I'm looking at it, that he doesn't have um, a, a, a clear sense or a clear belief in what it is that he's doing. He doesn't believe in it himself because initially we started with like the four at the back, the four, two, three, one. There was the inclusion of Ozil to begin with. Um, um, and we were trying to attack with using the five lanes. And I think in those initial games, um, I could get behind that. I looked at the way we were playing, we were attacking, using the five lanes. Um, you know, you had uh, a, like Aubameyang um, coming off the left, Lacazette, Erzil, um, Pepe, and our left back. Well, our left back was because Tierney had that um, injury last season. So maybe it was Saka sometimes or whatever, but you had them five up there. Um, he's kind of moved away from that. He started going towards a three at the back. Um, then sometimes he's played 4 3 3, and he just hasn't been able to um, achieve any kind of consistency in terms of performance level or patterns across any of those systems. Um, I genuinely don't believe he knows his um, best 11, but also what he has done where I'm extremely critical of him is that he has um, his, his repeated mistakes. So I think a, a large set, uh, who am I to speak for the Arsenal fan base? A huge fan base, right? Um, you know, I'm in a bubble in terms of like touchy gooners and, the, you know, the Arsenal fans that I know and interact with on a daily basis. Then there's what I see on social media, blah, 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 blah. But I think... Um, sections of the fan base would 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 understand and accept kind of what you're talking about um Mush, if you we could see patterns if we could see that yeah we try to play it out from the back and um you know um yeah just yeah we, the intent was there but the execution wasn't you know wasn't quite there but i think we're not seeing that or we've seen that start to begin with but then um you know haven't seen it continue or haven't seen it progress so that's a huge frustration. That's a, that's a, that's a huge issue. And then I think as well, it, like I was saying, it's the persistence to stick with players. So there are some players that he's been loyal to the soil for, loyal to the soil about, um, you know, and these are the likes of Granite Xhaka. These are the likes of um, Mustafi. Um, not so much now. I think, you know, Mustafi had been in the side, um, you know, pretty much this season. But Granite Xhaka has played come hello high water. Um, so was Lacazette until recently, so was Willian until recently, Rob Holding. These guys get love. They get game time, you know, irrespective. And then there are players who he just hasn't attempted, hasn't sought to give the same opportunities to, hasn't tried different things, hasn't considered alternate solutions. And you think, this is what it is then. It's Groundhog Day. And that's what it is. They're, they're, so there's no confidence. There's no indication that... Um, that things will improve, that things will be different. That, that And that's where I, I'm at odds with some sections of the fan base who say, yeah, actually, he needs to be backed in it. Because on current evidence, he hasn't demonstrated that he deserves to be... You, you, have, you have to earn the right. 
you know as a coach is it you, you have to earn the right you have to it's a it's a right and it's a privilege to 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 stay in your job when the stakes are this high when it's such a high profile um role and position and you you have to fight for that right and then you have to earn it once you're there you have to earn it and he hasn't done that so yeah i'm not one of those fans who's saying yeah he should stay that being said though i do understand it from the perspective of two bad appointments after Arsene Wenger with um, a hierarchy that has changed so much with poor, um, there's low confidence in place for the people who would remain making decisions if Arteta does go. So if Arteta goes, it's left to Edu. Do fans trust Edu that he can make the right decision now in terms of the next appointment? Who even is the right decision in terms of appointment? Because this is another thing as well. And what are you looking for? Are you looking for someone to consolidate and kind of hold things together right now? Or are you looking for, um, you know, someone who's progressive and is going to build? What is it? Who knows? Alan Alan Pardew, Tony Pulis. Yeah, you lot are bantering, bantering, (laughs) bantering. How about Rafa Benitez, maybe? Rafa Benitez? You you know what? That's not a bad shout, you know, because you look at how much... Football slowed down this season. It kind of suits a rough Benitez to, to the T. But I mean, for, for me, if you were going to replace him, there's one guy that would probably leave his job. And even though he's in a fairly cushy job, I think if you went for Brendan Rodgers, he he dropped the he dropped the Leicester job first chance of asking and come in because he was so disappointed of not being able to get the uh, Arsenal job the first time round. But it's it's a weird predicament, man. Because also as well for the for the players that you need, and I think you have a level of expectation to come in. I know you targeted Awa this summer. But is there even a possibility of him even wanting to come now from what he's seen in previous months? I think that that would be a big part of my decision if I were a player who Arsenal would target him right now. I'd be thinking, is this a coach that I want to play for? Because, um, yeah, there's the pull of London. There's the pull of the club. The, club still, the, the club's name still holds weight. The club's reputation still holds weight. Um I think the, the recent cup success, as recent as, you know, um, August, I should say, with the FA Cup or whatever, um, goes some way. And more broadly, um, the recent cup success, cup glory over the last couple of years, gives us something, it gives us some pull, some swagger, but it's diminishing. And if I were our, I would seriously be considering, is this a club that I want to go to right now? Because it looks like it's in turmoil. If there's going to be a change, um, is it the right thing to, to to move right now? Should I wait until the summer? If they're genuinely still interested in me, things are settled down a bit more, should I go then? Um, I don't think that from our perspective, we can afford that. I think we have to make a move. Um, I think, you know, it, there's a situation going on in France right now, the financial um, situation, which looks dire, which, um, you know, we should look to capitalise on and not just with our, with a number of, of, of quality players but yeah we, we we need improved quality whichever which whichever way we're gonna achieve that we need that because yeah there is some stuff there are some fingers to point at um coaching but um the the, the, the playing personnel is poor and that's in the attitude and the culture of uh of of a lot of the players that we have as well is 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 poor man it needs a revamp it needs a rehaul and um I don't see Arsenal really progressing in terms of um, league performance, general league performance, until these things are addressed. Really, because I just look at some of the players, and they're, they're not good. They're not. Some players are not good enough to start for championship teams. 
you know? So why are they starting for Arsenal Football Club? It's craziness. Crazy. Yeah, can't can't disagree. So it's uh, Tobe Snigger there, clearly enjoying the blood of his enemies. Of uh, thanks for that, Shabs. Um, I guess we'll just fin- finish up now with some listeners' questions. Um, first question is from Sam E underscore 91 on the Discord. Uh, would be for you, Shabs, but obviously open to everybody. How much of a difference does party make if the Spurs injury doesn't happen? Question mark. And is Arteta naive for not falling back to the tactics that got him wins early on, i.e. conceding possession and counter-attacking? Well, is, is that how much of a difference would um, party make in that game? Yeah. Because... That's my belief, yeah. Yeah, because with part even even in that game, um, with I think we saw some mobility issues with Partey in that game. Him getting around, he just wasn't. He he lacked the energy that um, we're used to seeing from him. Um, so I, I I don't think it would have made that much difference. To be fair, um, had he gone out, I think the damage was was done. Maybe they wouldn't have scored that second goal when they did. Um, but I still think we were a team well beat that day. I think Tottenham would be us, to be honest with you. Um, and I think it's about what we do um, kind of going forward, really, more than anything else. If it would have given us some quality moving forward, then, yeah, we've got a chance. But otherwise, it's, it's, it, forget it. Forget it. I can't remember what the second part of his question was. Yeah, the second part of the question was, uh, Arteta naive for not falling back to the tactics that got him wins early on. Again, in... And that's conceded yeah, in that game, yeah, I think so. In that game, definitely, yeah. And I think uh, we've, kind of, we've kind of touched on it and what I was saying about Arsenal more generally. Like, he's he's wavered between different formations and different tactics. Um, at first, when he came in, I think there was an argument that he um, made us better organised and more structured. Um, and I think I could see what he was trying to do there. Um, and it was about adding pieces which make us stronger and more fluid and cohesive moving forward. Uh, he's completely come away from that. Um, you know, we're not good going forward still and, and we're terrible, um, you know, defensively. And I think we've got a worse side in terms of player quality than what we had last season as well. So, yeah, I think that 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 goes some way. And again, Arteta's failing to... Um, as a coach, you've got to know your squad and know what works best. And it's his job to get something out of these players and he's just he's, he's failing to do that week in week out so yeah cool uh, got another question from Stan Lou underscore fresh uh, guess I, I'll start this one off and then we can all answer uh, Manchester United in the title race um, currently I'd say no uh, we're only 13-14 games in um, I think it's still very clumped up like two results um, just will have you moving up and down the table quite quite swiftly. So I think we probably need to wait another half a dozen games or so. So we're like 20 games in and then we'll have a a, a clearer idea of where we stand. Um, Just since we're here and I've mentioned half a dozen games or so, it makes sense for me to maybe just uh, discuss what what our our next half a dozen games are. So we're away at Leicester uh, on Boxing Day. Uh, Then we are at home against Wolves, at home against uh, Villa, away against Liverpool, away against Fulham and then at home against Sheffield United. So it's a mixed bag of, of games. I say it's come difficult games. Uh, obviously, Liverpool being the standout game in the, in that uh, run and there's some of the lower teams in there as well. So um, I envision us winning at least, at least half of those games. Um, 
some way, somehow, from Nook or Crook getting results. So, yeah, like I say, we'll see in half a dozen games or so. It's so funny because within this season, we've kind of got battered by Spurs, uh, really struggled to put together wins at home. But what's been impressive has been our away form. Um, I think we're a couple of games away from having the record for the most consecutive away wins in Premier League history. Listen, Oli should not be leaving this club with any Premier <laughs> records attached to his name. He doesn't deserve it, and this team doesn't deserve it. So I think if we are to beat Leicester, the, the game that the record would be broken against is Liverpool at Anfield. They haven't lost for three wow. years. So they haven't lost for three years. So <laughs> that makes it a bit a, a bit more spicy. Um, so for me, it, it's too early to say. Um, credit, I guess, to Oli and the lads for kind of sticking with it after a a tough start to the season. And yeah, we're, we're, like I say, we're five points off the top with a game in hand. But I would like to hear hear the thoughts of, of the panel. I'll come to you, uh, Mush. You seem like you're champing at the bit. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I think some perspective is needed here, uh, both uh, for the reason the question, are United in the title race, is being asked, and then also, what does title race mean in a season like this? So I guess to answer the first point is that United beating a team like Leeds are exactly the kind of team and tactics that United will beat teams like Leeds with, but there's not many teams who will play like that. So I don't think that's reflective of what United will come up against in the coming weeks. Um, and then the next point about what does being in the title race mean in a season like this, where, you know, your best players probably won't be playing week in week out because of the schedule being crammed together, rather than it being a long stretch of maybe 10, 15 wins in a, wins in a row, maybe good form this year means winning four of every five games. So let's say we call it 12, 12 per 15 points. I don't think United have the consistency over five games to put up those kinds of numbers. I think United showing that they're better than the surrounding group and the better than what they've shown maybe in the past few weeks with the Champions League exit doesn't mean they propel from being a good side to a title winning side. And I think that's the main thing here. They'll be better on average, but I don't think they're going to get anywhere close to what Liverpool will put up on an average per five games basis. Okay. Um, Chris, Tobes, Shabs, thoughts? Um, yeah. um, for me, no. Man United are not title challengers. Um, I've made this point in the Discord. I agree with you, Mariah. I think a lot of people are getting too carried away with this title talk. We see how congested the table is. We see how early on the table is. I never, I've never been in such a situation where apparently we've got all these title challengers defined within November, October and November. Normally you do, you define a title challenger by a team who's neck and neck right at the top of the table, heading into the business end of the season. That's my energy anyway. And if Man United are there in February or March time and they're three, four, possibly even five points of Liverpool, maybe, heck, make, make it even six points, six points of Liverpool, whatever, then maybe I would entertain talk of a title challenge. But now I'm not seeing it. And second of all, the, the, the last point I wanted to make is that Man United are far too volatile on the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. One week, they're smashing a team 6-2 like Leeds. Another week, they're, they're labouring. They're labouring at home or they're, 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 just not, they're just not a consistent side. Um, I know the away record is the away record, but I'm, I'm looking at the performances more than the results and the performances are just far too volatile. So I can't, I can't put stocks in this team to maintain any sort of title push. 
Hasn't their recent league form been um, reasonable though? No, their form's been good, but I'm talking about their performances. Their form's mm. been good. So, like, I'm I'm looking at West Ham. They beat West Ham, but on another day, they could have been down 4 0. Yeah. Half time. I'm looking at, um, I can't yeah. remember who played before that. Southampton. Uh, Southampton, yeah. They were 2 down, weren't they? They were 3 down at half time, and then they go on and win the game. I think they're the heavily based on individuality. Mariah mentioned it at the start. They got quality that will carry average players, but. That's not going to be enough to sustain a title challenge for me. Yeah, I think it's about. I think you said it though, Tobes. I think um, if they stay with the pack for long enough, if they stay close enough to the front, who knows, man? And just because it's United, I know they haven't done it for some time. They haven't been there for some time. But because it's United, um, I've, I'd always give them an outsider's chance. I'd always give them an outsider's chance if they stay with the pack until March. I'd say, I could say if they're with close within touching distance, you never like, you know, six points, like you said. Yeah, man, I, I, I wouldn't write them off. Um, right now, yeah, it's, it's probably premature, but yeah, I think if they win, beat Leicester, if they win the game in hand as well, they're there, you know? So it's just about, it's about consistency that is required to come with that. I think that's what it is. Yeah, echo what everyone else has said, really. Um... I mean, it's such a volatile season. And when you've got a volatile team like Manchester United, it's a bit of a bit of a hard one to see. So, I mean, if, if they're still in the bad to the shout with come come the end come the end of January, it's definitely one for conversation. But we've seen so many times this season, uh, X, Y, and Z team, Everton being the standout one, can they be title challengers? You know, will they go on to win the league and stuff like that? So let's just see when we're in the when we're getting towards the business end of the season. This is nuts to me. Spurs move from first to fourth within a week. I don't think United are going to be within 20 Fifth. points of Liverpool. I'm Fifth saying this straight. Yeah. Mm, 20 points, yeah? Yeah, wow. listen, listen. That's, a, that's a big gap. Okay. Do, do a bit of peacocking today, man. Don't worry yeah, about it. Nah, it's, no, it's, calm. it's a big shout. I mean, you could be right. That's it, yeah. Um, yeah, that's we'll, we'll see. That's, I think we'll, we'll end it on that, to be honest. I don't think you, you, you get more of a sharper finish than that from from, from what Admusha just said. I'm a little bit rattled by that, actually, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to read never this. Never seen Mariah round ever. Just for the record, Mariah, I don't agree with Mush. I told him <laughs> the league is going to be far too congested. Yeah, I don't. Maybe round's not the right word, but surprise. I think twenty points in this season. Um, yeah, yeah, I think the winner's going to get like mid eighties. Um, so maybe you're saying United won't reach sixty-five. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. And of course, if, of course, if you want more pungent points like that, then head over to the Copper and Fracas Patreon <laughs> page, <laughs> patreoncom fracas for as little as three pound a month. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. We got our touchy goodness Patreon as well, where you can get more of uh, Shab's well-reasoned, concise feedback. And yeah, yeah you, you see me on Moga talking about all things from uh, top Premier League players ever to uh, the latest episode of Pogba Watch. Which uh, will be coming <laughs> in this coming week. He's on a good run, guys. So you know, check check that out. Uh, we want to thank you all for your time this evening, Pope, Shabs, Morsh, Krish. Always a pleasure. Good to see you all. Well, um, take care, man. Have a nice week, boys. Cheers, man. Best, man. Thank you. Best, boys. Nice one, lads. Podcast Network.